Well, good morning to all of you, and good morning also to our live streamers and those upstairs. Yeah, uh, my name is Josh Watson. I'm the uh, teaching or life group pastor here at, at Whitestone, and if you need a Bible, uh, we're going to be looking at a couple chapters specifically, and we'll be there for most of the time. So if you need a Bible, if you can just raise your hand, the ushers will come by and hand one to you. But this is week two of our Summer Family Sunday series, which means that our kids from upstairs have come down and they're uh, joining us here for the services here in the sanctuary for this summer. And of course, the theme, you probably know, for this Family Sunday series is the not-so-famous people in the Bible and what they did for the Lord. Now, last week was our first of this series of the not-so-famous people in the Bible. Do you remember who it was on? Jabez. Very good. It's on Jabez. Um, and since we have leftover jelly bellies from Father's Day, <laughs> this is going to be the jelly belly quiz. All right. So we're going to start over on this far side on the left. And the first question is, what did the name Jabez mean? Does anyone know, any of the kids, the name Jabez? What is that? Oh. Anybody on this side? Any adults? Anyone? Causes pain. Causes pain. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't like the throwing candy. Number two... <laughs> Number two, what is Jabez known for? Running, praying, singing, or flossing? This section right here. I think you had your hand up first. What is, what is he known? Praying. Very good. I'm not going to hit anybody. All right. Nice. Did you know that as well? Praying? You look like you had. All right. Number three for this section here in the middle and on my left. There are long prayers in the Bible and short prayers in the Bible. Which was Jabez's? Short. Very good. Yeah, I know. You said short too? Yeah, he's pretty good. Number four, after Jabez's prayer was over, what did God do for this section over here? It says, yes? I think, wow, very good. Granted his prayer, granted his request. Excellent, good job. Very good. All right, so this last question is for everyone, an extra credit question. Little tougher. The question is, name one other person from Jabez's genealogy after Judah. <laughs> Not had a little pony. Here's the hint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not right, it's a pony. That's one person. 
A pony? Well, that, maybe that was the nickname. <laughs> Has a little pony, yes, that's one of the people. All right. Very good. I'm sure that's the right way to pronounce it, too. All right, very good. So today, we'll be picking up with a second person, the next not-so-famous person in the Bible, and it's a guy named Josiah. Luke mentioned last week that most of these people that we're going to be uh, talking about this summer, they only have maybe just a couple verses on them, uh, but Josiah actually has a couple chapters, 2 Kings 22 and 23. So if you have your Bibles, if you could open it up uh, there, that'd be great. 2 Kings 22 and 23. And as we look at King Josiah, we're going to cover four different ways that he was a great leader. Number one, he was a young leader. Number two, a family leader. Number three, a humble leader. And number four, a passionate leader. So number one, a young leader. In 2 Kings 22, verse 1, it says, Josiah, why am I out of breath? All I did was go up and down the aisles. <laughs> Need to be... Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. So the story of Josiah begins when he is only eight years old, which, of course, is extremely young. I mean, when you think about some of the other characters in the Bible, David was 30 years old when he became king. Uh, Joseph was 30 years old when he became second in command of Egypt. And then you have Moses, who was 80 years old when he led the Israelites out of Egypt. And of course, Noah was 600 years old when God sent the flood. But here you have Josiah, who becomes king over all the land. Because remember, at this point, the northern ten tribes were taken by Assyria. So he's the only king in all of Israel at just the age of eight. Eight. Now, Avidus is my son, one of my sons, and he's seven years old, so that's pretty close. But are there any eight-year-old boys in here? You're eight years old? Can you come up here? All right, super. Yeah, give him a... All right, so can you tell everyone your name? Brandon. All right, this is King Brandon. King Brandon. Can you go sit on your throne, King Brandon? Hold your goblet here. Feed you grapes, but... All right. King Brandon, look out over all these people. How would you like to be king over them and they had to obey everything you said and you were in charge of every person? How would you like that? You don't know? <laughs> but you also had to listen to all their complaints and all their problems. Would you want that? No, that doesn't sound quite as good. All right, thank you very much, King Brandon. So let me, let me ask you one more question before you go. What is something that you enjoy doing, a hobby of yours? Playing baseball. Playing baseball, all right, excellent. So 
his, one of his hobbies, playing baseball. And that, when you think about it, is kind of what you would expect for an eight-year-old boy. These are the things that usually eight-year-old boys are doing. They're playing sports, playing Legos. They're riding their bikes. They're popping wheelies. They're, you know, building forts. They're, uh, you know, climbing trees. For most eight-year-old boys, their biggest responsibility is usually, what? Keeping the room clean? But for... King Josiah, when he was eight, his responsibility was to keep an entire nation in order, to be in charge of the army, to rule the people with justice, and to establish the laws of the land. How did this happen? How did he get there at eight years old? It says in 2 Kings 21, 23 and 24, and the servants of Ammon conspired against him and put the king to death in his house. And the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his place. So the king was King Amon. And it says he was killed by his own servants. And so now that the king is dead, of course, they now need a new king. And so what they did was they then made King Amon's son, Josiah, the new king. Of course, he's only eight years old. But that means that not only did Josiah lose his father, at a young age, but he's also thrust into this position of a huge responsibility as well at the same time. And I'm sure a lot of people here this morning, a lot of you can relate to that, of how life can just be thrown at you sometimes. We, you know, we might lose someone close to us very unexpectedly, or we can get thrown into a situation that we don't at all feel ready for, a, you know, a, a position of responsibility. When I was 18 years old, this was my first year of college in California, and I got a call to get on the next flight out to here, Wisconsin, because my older brother, sick with cancer, only had days to live. 2016, the same thing happened with my younger brother, and in Earlier this year, in January, my father passed. But there are many people here who have gone through the exact same thing. You know exactly what that's like to suddenly have to, you know, someone you dearly loved, someone close to you is just all of a sudden not there anymore, no longer there. It can come out of nowhere. Same with being put in a position that you don't feel ready for, a responsibility that you have now, this is a very small example, but I remember once in Malawi, our church, of course, we uh, support missions in Malawi, and we take trips there. We used to take them quite regularly, um, and I was there along with others from Whitestone, and we were visiting this church on a Sunday, and five minutes before the service started, one of the elders of the church came to me and said, can you please give a sermon? Five minutes before. <laughs> like, I mean, I can't say no because that's why we're there. We're there to be involved and to serve. But five minutes you're giving me? So I wasn't at all prepared for that responsibility whatsoever. But again, there's, responsibility can come out of nowhere and some of, it can be life-altering. It can be life altering. And some of you have experienced that. Or the sudden loss of someone close to you. Or Both. That was King Josiah, both. He lost his father and he was made the new king at the same time when he was only eight years old. 
But here's the point, is that God never has failure or depression in mind for you. If he has allowed the loss of someone or a new responsibility into your life suddenly, he will bring himself as well. He comes along with it. He promises that. He promises that, that however much of life that can happen, there's an infinite more of God that is available. In Isaiah 43, verse 2, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. I will be with you. That's a promise. And these are, of course, words that were originally spoken to Israel, but they applied to all his people, for all those who trust in God, who belong to him. He will never bring any circumstance into your life that he doesn't promise to carry you through it, if you let him. That's the key, though. We have to let him. You have to climb into his hands through prayer and stay there. Keep praying. Keep putting yourself back in his hands and let him carry you, keeping your focus constantly on him. In Deuteronomy 31, verses 6 and 8, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord himself goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. These are the words that Moses spoke to Joshua before they entered the land full of giant Canaanites and these huge fortified cities. Like Josiah, like his situation, for Joshua, Moses dies, and now Joshua is thrust into this new responsibility, this new position, and now they have to go in to the, this new land and face all and fight all these giants. But the promise from God is this: I am with you. I will never leave you. I will help you. And that's what we have to remember. That no matter, we have to remember it no matter what age we are, no matter how unprepared that we feel. If God allows sudden change to come into your life, he, promised, he promises to bring himself as well. So number one, Josiah was a young leader. When life comes at you before you're ready, God comes too. Number two, Josiah was not only a young leader, he was a family leader. Another thing that Josiah had going against him was that he didn't come from a good family. Of course, he came from a royal family, but it was a royally awful family. In 2 Kings 22, 19 to 22, it says, Amon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as Manasseh his father had done. He walked in all the way in which his father walked and served the idols that his father served and worshiped them. He abandoned the Lord, the God of his father. So Josiah's father was Amon, and Amon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. It says he served idols, he worshiped them, and he abandoned the Lord completely. But 
Look at where he learned it from. Where did he learn it from? His father. It says, as Manasseh, his father, had done. It says, he walked in all the way which his father had walked. And he served the idols his father served. Fathers have a tremendous influence on their children, for good or bad. Of course, we just celebrated Father's Day last week. And for those fathers who do pour into their families, you deserve recognition. Like mothers, you are indispensable to the well-being of your child. Now, today isn't Father's Day, but I asked a bunch of kids from our church, what is one thing that your father has taught you? Just one thing. So dads, consider this an extra gift because the ladies on staff at Whitestone didn't sing you a song. My dad taught me how to tie a fishing hook onto a fishing pole. My father taught me to give people space when they need it. My dad is great. One thing he's teaching me is math. My dad is great. He taught me how to play soccer. My dad is great. One thing he has taught me is how to pick a softball. My dad is great because he already taught me how to ski. My dad is awesome because he taught me how to ride my bike. My dad is great and he taught me how to play baseball. My dad is great. One thing he has taught me is how to weld. My dad is good at building. My dad is good at building. My dad's great because he helped me understand my favorite physics. My dad's great. He taught me how to build decoys for his birthday. Something dad's taught me is holding screwdrivers down. <coughs> my dad is great. He's taught me to never give up. Excellent. It's a great job, dads. Fathers can have a very positive impact on their kids, as you can see, but of course, also negative. Study after study after study proves this point, that a, a son that doesn't have a father at home involved in his life is five times more likely to face poverty five times more likely to commit a crime, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. The child isn't destined for these things, not at all. It just makes those things much more possible. And as bad as Josiah's father Amon was, his grandfather Manasseh was much worse. In 2 Kings 21, 1 to 9, it says, King Manasseh did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, for he rebuilt the high places. And he erected altars for Baal and worshiped all the hosts of heaven and served them. And he burned his son as an offering and used fortune telling and omens and dealt with mediums and with necromancers. Manasseh led Israel straight to do more evil than the nations had done whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. That's a wicked man. He did more evil than the people who were known for being evil. 
That was an example. That was the example that Manasseh passed down to his father, uh, sorry, passed down to his son, Amon. And then, of course, Amon followed in his father's footsteps and became an evil king as well. But not Josiah. A boy who came from a line of very evil men, wicked men, horrible examples. But Josiah was different. He knew that what his father and his grandfather had done is wrong, and he was not satisfied to simply be a family follower. He chose to be a family leader, to create a whole new path for his family going forward. And that's why what we read about Josiah is very different. It says in 2 Kings 22, verse 2, And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father, and he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. The point is that even if we come from a family that doesn't at all follow the Lord, we always have the choice to go in a different direction. Like Josiah, we are not obligated to follow in the same footsteps as others in our family if those footsteps don't follow Christ. At a young age, that's exactly what Josiah did. Basically, he said what Joshua did. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So number two, be a family leader. Make sure that your family is on the right path despite the past or the present. So Josiah was a young leader. He was a, f- a family leader. And third, he was a humble leader. Now I have a question. I think everyone in here will be able to get it correctly. But what usually happens when you put a lot of power into the hands of a very young person? Someone who didn't earn that position or that power, but was handed the power at a very young age. What kind of person does he or she usually become? Bad. Yes. Very prideful, very arrogant, corrupt, cold towards people's needs. That's the way it usually goes. Now, for all the kids in here, I'm going to read you the words that were spoken by someone young whose father was the king. And I want you to see if you can name who it is. Raise your hand if you know who it is. All right, ready? I'm going to be a mighty king, so enemies beware. I'm going to be the main event like no king was before. I'm brushing up on looking down. I'm working on my roar. I can't wait to be king. Yes. Simba. Everybody look left. Everybody look right. Everywhere you look, I'm standing spotlight. That's the way young people usually view a position like being king. I'm the main event. I get to look down on everyone. And that's why it's so shocking to see how different King Josiah was, even though he became king at a very young age. At this point in the story, he's probably grown up a little bit. He's grown up. He started collecting money to rebuild the temple and repair it, I mean. And they found something. They found the book of the law. They found God's word. And here's what it says in 2 Kings 22, 10 to 13. And Shaphan read it, the book of the law, before the king. And when the king heard the words, 
of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Shaphan the secretary, go, inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. It's amazing that when Josiah hears what is written in God's law and the punishments that would happen if Israel did not follow the commands, what's he do? He tears his clothes. He's appalled. Because you think, you know, why would he care? He's the king, right? Life is good for him. Everyone exists to serve him. He's the last person that has to worry. Everyone is there to serve him. You remember Pharaoh? The whole nation was being destroyed. People were suffering. People were dying. And he still would not let the Israelites go. But that's not at all how Josiah thinks. He humbles himself because he knows this is God's word. He tears his clothes and he tells them to go find out from God what's going to happen. And it tells us in 2 Kings 22, 16, 20, it says, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods. So that's the message for the nation of Judah, for the people. And it's not good news. But there's a different message that's given for King Josiah from God. And this is what God says. Because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke and you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. So God would keep his word and punish the people for their rebellion and for all their idolatry But because Josiah humbled himself so greatly at hearing God's word, he wouldn't have to endure any of that punishment that's coming, and instead he would be able to live and die in peace. He is a great example of humility before God's word. And it's a great example for us. It's a great reminder as well for us to ask ourselves, how do I personally respond to God's word? What kind of effect does it have on me? You know, when, when you read it at home on your own, or when you hear it being spoken about and taught, or, you know, you read it on the screen, how does it come across to you when you read God's word? What effect does it have? Does it just come across as some dry historical document, you know, from the past with no real connection to my everyday life? Or... Do you read it like Josiah? Does it pierce your conscience? Does it convict your heart? Does it humble you? You know, if we don't tear our clothes, which I'm sure would not come across in the same way these days, it should at least, it should at least make us get up from it hearing God's word and say, man, I've got to make some changes. And the thing is, that's really not even the beginning not even the beginning of how Josiah responded to to God's word, which you can see in the next chapter, all that he did. But the point here, number three, is that he was a humble leader. He let the word of God cut to his heart and bring great humility. So that's number three. This brings us to the last of the lessons this morning from King Josiah, and that 
is number four, he was a passionate leader, very passionate leader. And there was different ways that I thought I could try and communicate this point, but then I thought, you know what, why don't I just read it? Because that, it's that incredible. You have to hear for yourself what it says, the passion that Josiah has for God. But to do this, I need a couple volunteers. A couple volunteers. Yes. Yes. And we'll get one, anyone else in the back? Okay. Come on up here. Yes. All right. So as I list the different things that King Josiah did out of his passion for God, I'm going to hand, can you tell everyone your name? Sasha. So we have Sasha as well as? Michaela, Sasha and Michaela. So here, Michaela, come on over here. And I'm going to hand, at, when I read one of the things that King Josiah did out of his passion for God, I'll hand you one, you go and stack it on here, and you're gonna build this big flame, this big fire of passion that King Josiah had for God. Okay, you'll go and stack one, I'll hand one to her, she'll go and stack, you'll come back, I'll give one to you, okay? We'll do one at a time, all right? I'll start with you. Number one. Then, so go, you can go stack it on there and you try and make one big. Number one, then the king gathered to him all the people, both small and great, and he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to keep his commandments and his statutes and his testimonies and statutes with all his heart and all his soul. And the king commanded to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels made for Baal and Asherah and for all the hosts of heaven, and he burned them. And he did away with the priests who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and the moon and the constellations and all the hosts of heaven. And he brought out the Asherah from the house of the Lord, and he burned it at the brook Kidron, and he beat it to dust." And he broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes who were in the house of the Lord. And he defiled the high places and Topheth that no one might burn his son or daughter as an offering to Molech. And he removed the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. And he burned the chariots of the sun with fire. And the altars on the roof of the upper chamber and the altars that Manasseh had made, he pulled down and broke in pieces. And he defiled the high places which Solomon had built for Ashtoreth and he broke in pieces the pillars and cut down the ashram. <laughs> Getting tough. Moreover, the altar at Bethel, erected by Jeroboam, he pulled down and burned, and he took the bones out of the tombs and burned them on the altar and defiled it. Nice. And Josiah removed all the shrines also of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, and he executed all the priests of the high places who were there. We got two more. Might have to shift everything down slightly. What do you think? <laughs> and the king, who am I on? Whose turn? Anyone remember? <laughs> Over here, okay. 
And the king commanded all the people, keep the Passover to the Lord your God as it is written in, the book, in this book of the covenant. Moreover, Josiah put away the mediums and the necromancers and the household gods and the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land. All right, so that's a pretty big flame, pretty big fire of passion. Thank you very much, both of you. Here, I'll give Thank you very much. That's an impressive flame, and that's an incredible list. I mean, they're summed up, but he did so much out of his passion for God. And because of all that Josiah did, here's what it says about him. Before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. No one like him with such a passion for God before or after. And again, this is where we can stop and ask ourselves, you know, compared to this flame, compared to all that he did, what's the size of our passion for God? What are we willing to do for him? You know, what have you and I gotten rid of or torn down in our own house that dishonors God or distracts us from following him? What's the size of the flame inside of me that is burning for Christ? Is it just, you know, a flicker or is how close is it to the passion of Josiah? Josiah, we've seen this morning, he was thrust into the position of king at eight years old after his father had died. And by the end of his reign as king, it says that there was no king like him ever who had turned to the Lord with all of his heart before or after. So let's follow the example of Josiah. He was a young leader. When life comes at you before you're ready, God comes too. He was a family leader. Set your family on the right path despite the past or even the present. He was a humble leader. Let the word of God cut to your heart and bring humility. And number four, he was a passionate leader. Get all evil out of your sight, whatever it takes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your passion for us, which most clearly was seen just in the reminder that we took part in, the Lord's Supper, that you sent your son, that he came and suffered so greatly because that's your passion for us. That's your love for us at work. Lord, I ask that we, as your followers, as your children, redeemed, rescued, in these very few years here on this earth that are gone like a vapor, your word says, that we would spend our time in passion, a passionate following of you, a fire to live for you. That we would know that any time we experience loss or new responsibility, you are there with us. You promise that. Lord, help us to be humble, convicted, challenged by your word. 
Lord, help us to set our families on the right path. Lord, I thank you so much for the example of King Josiah. May we follow that example as we follow the person of Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen. If you would like prayer, please, we have uh, the hicks over here in the the corner. They would love to pray with you um, if you have any prayer requests or needs. Have a wonderful day.